0: Thanks, Lori, for reading God's Word to us today. Chelton, uh, good to gather with all of you this morning as we worship our triune God together this morning. And Chelton Key as all you have, youth have joined here, I'm so thankful that you get to worship with us today. I pray that as we study the book of Proverbs, you find God's wisdom in your life as well. Today's section that we are diving in today, church, is the final chapter. Before we dive into each chapter that was just to mention, each topic, uh, to refresh all of us, kind of let me capture that. Let me put that in framework that is a little bit unique. So far, chapter one through nine in book of Proverbs, there has been two predominant relationship in this nine introductory chapter. One relationship is relationship of father and the son. And they're on the same team Pursuing wisdom based on the fear of the Lord. The submission to the will of God. Father instructs the son, follow in the path of wisdom. On the other side, there's another relationship actually that stands opposite. Lady wisdom and lady folly. Lady folly claims to be on the same team as lady wisdom. Lady wisdom promises life. If you follow the will of the Lord in wisdom, there will be life. Lady Folly claims that there will be life, but it's only the counterfeit. It leads to the path of death. So as we conclude this introductory chapters in Book of Proverbs, Solomon does not leave you. You can do whatever you want. No, he makes it very clear: choice is yours. Make decision today to follow the path of wisdom. That's what we are going to study today as we conclude these introductory chapters. As we dive, dive in today, church, I do pray that there will be some resolve in your heart. Today, this day, I'll choose to follow the way of the Lord. And I pray that that will be the testament of our lives. Three movements of this section that we are going to dive in. You will see the same invitations first and different consequences. I'll elaborate what I mean by that. You will receive the same invitation from two ladies, lady wisdom and lady folly, but it will have different consequences. Second, you must make up your choice. So second, that decision you make will have a snowball effect. There will be a snowball effect of our decision. Who are you going to dine with? And third, then, you must choose the way of life. What is the how to make the life-altering decision that the Lord has called you? Same invitation and different consequences—the snowball effect of the decision that you make—and last, how to make that life-altering decision for true flourishing to follow wisdom. So let's go one by one. You will see two invitations yet very different consequences. When you look at first six verses of the Proverbs nine and the last six verse, it's almost a parallel. It has very similar structure and similar invitation. Both verse 4 and verse 16, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly both invite you to dine with them. Let all who are simple come to my house. Eat dinner with me. But as you see in verse 6 and verse 18, if you follow Lady Wisdom, leave your simple ways and you will live. Verse 18, Lady Folly but with do they know that the dead are there, life and death difference? Chelton Church and Chelton Keys, who do you eat your dinner with? Who do you dine with? The one you eat with shapes you, it forms you. Uh, and when you transport us back to this Near Eastern culture of that times, the one you eat with, as we just heard, refers to the friendship, the intimate relationships. And there has been many cultures throughout the history. Even there are many cultures nowadays, Western culture, Oceanian culture, Eastern culture, African culture, Latino culture. But one of the universal things about eating is that it denotes the intimacy of the relationship. Who you eat with, who you spend time with really shapes you. So youth who are gathered here and kids, sometimes you say, oh, it doesn't matter who I hang out with today. No, your friends have power to shape you. They form you as you spend time with them. Uh, Perhaps nowadays, the true pandemic has been the hidden pandemic of isolation. Perhaps you spend a lot of time on your browsing internet. The influencer that you watch, YouTube video that you watch, it has more power to shape you than you and I realize. It's who you dine with today has the power to shape you. So, which invitation are you going to accept? Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom has prepared the banquet for you. Come and eat with me. And Lady Folly also prepared the banquet for you. Come and eat with me. But one will lead to life, but another will only lead to death. So let's really talk about what this each invitation stands. It one has very same invitation but very different consequences what are these each invitation stand for when you look at verse one and three it says wisdom has seven pillars in verse three and she calls from the highest point of the city nobody really knows what the seven pillars really mean in the bible all the scholars debate over what that exactly mean very different opinion But in the Bible, number has quite a bit of significance, like one stands for unity, our God is one. Three typically stands for divine perfection, the triune God. And seven often stands for completion, the wholeness, the spiritual perfection. And seventh day after God created all things, he rested. It is of the Lord, this number. And on top of that, when you look at verse three, she calls from the highest point of the city, in the text of at that time, uh, the buildings on the highest place of the time, typically is the temple, a place of worship, the location and all this makes it clear that Lady Wisdom stands for God. She is the poetic personification of God's wisdom and represent his perfection. Having said that, what's hard thing about that is Luke 14. Where is Lady Foliath placed? She sits at the door of our house on the seat at the highest point of the city. Not only Lady Wisdom calls you from the highest point of the city, verse 3, but verse 14, Lady Folly also calls you from the highest point of the city. How do you discern that which one is true and which one is false then? It is not only our true God, Yahweh, But throughout the ancient Near Eastern culture at the time, the highest point was also a place of worship of gods and goddesses and all the counterfeits and fake gods that they have created. Even the Mesopotamian culture at the time, whose land was as flat as pancake, (laughs) Uh, they built a lot of ziggurats or like stepped pyramids. Because they the highest places where they can be like God to meet their own gods that they've created on their own. But the one true highest point of the city stands for life. Another highest stands highest point is only the folly. This stands really shows really well in the Tower of Babel, right? They create this high point of their town to see that's where I can be like God. Let's make name for ourselves. But in the end it promises life. But the way of fall is only the destruction. The desiring for the high place is common nowadays too, right? When you go to many global cities, I found out that one of the highest real estate in New York City, Manhattan, is the penthouse on Park Avenue, a skyscraper. It's so high that you cannot even hear Manhattan traffic anymore. It's listed $170 million. High places where people desire for power and prestige, On the other side, when you look at other global cities too, like Seoul, Hong Kong, Beijing, New York as well, somewhere, basement is the lowest desired place. It's the cheapest real estate. You cannot even tell whether it's day or night if you live in the basement. There are people living in that place. So see how far is that creature place in a most desirable place, highest place. Come and dine with me. Stolen water is sweet. I got something life that you desire. See, in one sense, it seems very obvious. But how do you really discern which one is of the Lord and which one is of the folly when both are calling from the highest point of the city? One leads to life, another leads to death. This tension and dilemma has been even from the beginning of creation. When you think about Adam and even Genesis 2, right next to one another, in the middle of the garden, at the smack center of the garden, there is a tree of life, and tree of death, tree of knowledge of good and evil. One stands for life, another stands for death. When the mankind saw that, whoa, this is so good, if I only take this fruit, they desired wisdom. It was pleasing to the eye and also desiring for gaining wisdom. Is desiring wisdom bad? Not at all. That's what we are studying. But well, they instead chose the knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to define what wisdom is on their own terms. As a result, what he promised only life was the fake version. It was only death that led us to the death of mankind. So the question is, if this is, seems confusing, how do you discern, one, which one is of the Lord and which one is of yourself, the folly that leads you? Let me give you a couple practical tips for you to discern. Number one, I'll give you two tips and I'll elaborate on Number one, examine your consuming desire and see through its end result. I'll explain what I mean. Examine your consuming desire and see through its end result. Second, examine your attention, attention, and imagination. That will kind of reveal it. That will serve as a great diagnostic tool. When I say first, examine your consuming desire and see through its end result. With it's, when you have such an inordinate desire within you, consuming desire within you, you can both be consumed of God or consumed of yourself. One is of life, one is of your death. When you flesh out, it's your result. When you, initially, the gap is pretty small. Lady wisdom, lady folly, life, death, God, and yourself. Initially, when you're at the crossroad, the gap seems to be very similar. Perhaps some of you desire power. You're consumed by influence. Flesh that all the way out. Is it really of the Lord? And I want to maximize my influence for the glory of God. When you flesh all the way your desire for influence, when it's all about your comfort, then you know that's not really of the Lord, but only yourself. When you're consumed of the Lord, as hard as life can be, Sometimes it's crushing burden gets hold over you, and you know it's so hard for you. Sometimes circumstance, life can be filled with a trials. But when it is of the Lord, because you have peace with God, there's a real peace of God that calms your anxious soul. Even in the middle of crushing burden, even in the middle of your tears that you shed and no one else sees, there's a glimpse of hope that you can hold on. But when it's all about yourself, there's no self-denial. It's all about your self-realization, self-fulfillment. As you flesh that out, your desires are all the way. If it's all about your pleasure, your prestige, your power, then you may well be one degree off. You may well be on your way to attend the banquet that Lady Folly has put together. What God has called us to attend the banquet the Lady of Wisdom has put together, there is the life. So, Chilton, actually today, oftentimes we give many options, but today's choice is binary. Which banquet will you attend? Who are you going to dine with today? When you think of one of the old saints, St. Augustine, he says, in the end, humans only have two basic loves, the love of God. Unto the forgetfulness of self or love of self unto the forgetfulness and denial of God. Which banquet will you attend? Who are you going to dine with today? In the path of folly, there is no denial of self, but only fulfillment. This is what I want. I crave for it. When you flesh all the way out, it's all about you, your pleasure, your power, your comfort. But in the path of folly, there is no denial of self, but only the fulfillment. Another way to examine what's going on in your heart, whether which way you're on, is to pay really examine your tension, attention, and imagination. When I say tension, both inward tension and external tension. Inward tension, like what are you most anxious about today? It's paralyzing anxiousness within you. Or what are you most angry about on the other side? What was the inward tension that you are consumed about? What about external tension? What causes conflict in all the relationships you are in? Do you know sometimes Christian doctrine, the rightness of that, can also be the path of folly? When you so have to be right that do not acknowledge any, perhaps great issues of difference, you may well be your rightness, may well be only brewing arrogance, you're only on your way to attending the foliage banquet. What about attention? Can I baptize it in Christian term? What do you pray most about? You're like, whoa, Jin, wait a second. It's wrong to pray a lot? Absolutely not. But if your entire prayer is all about this person, this circumstance, this cause at the expense of remembering who God is, And that shows your inordinate and consuming desire. Uh, That shows, if you're all consumed by that, you're like, God, I want what is of you, but I must have this at all costs. I must have this circumstance resolved on my way without remembering the way of the Lord. I must have this person, this cause that I'm really advocating for. You may well be something's not quite right within you. What's your imagination like? What do you daydream about? What do you fantasize about, lastly? Examine your attention, attention, imagination to see what's the consuming desire within you. You think it's of the Lord. Initially, it seems very godly to you. God, I want this influence. Just name it, whatever field. Again, maybe money is it for you. Maybe security is for you. Initially, the gap seems very narrow because both are calling from the highest point of the city. Both can be very attractive at the beginning. But as you flesh all the way out, one will lead to life, one other will lead to death. Two invitations say, one choice. Which banquet will you choose to attend? Who are you going to dine with? Why is this so important? Today is the day of decision, Chelton. If we've been toying around, hey, Chelton, it's good to follow wisdom. Good to follow God. No, today Solomon calls for the decision. Why does he do that? In the second section, between verse 1 through 6 and the 13 through 18, 1 through 6 is the banquet the lady wisdom put together. 13 through 18 is what folly has put together. Right in between that, there is a saying of Solomon, father to a son. But you will see the snowball effect of your decision. Read verse 8. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise, they will love you. Verse 12. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. The verse 7 through 12 communicates one central idea that whatever which path you choose to walk upon, it will have this aggregate effect. It will have a cumulative effect. If you choose wisdom, if you choose God tomorrow, you'll have a higher chance to choose God. If you choose wisdom today, tomorrow, you're more likely to choose another wisdom to follow and grow in the path of the Lord. But if you choose folly today, you will only grow in foolishness. Tomorrow, you will grow to be a greater fool, more likely. See, once you form a habit to pursue the Lord, that habit will make it a little bit easier to continue to choose the Lord. But if you're addicted to this pleasure, prestige, power, that folly grabs hold of you, that addiction will only want more of you and never let you go. So it's always in the form of present progressive, which path ever you pick. It has snowball effect, aggregate effect. It will always take you one step further than you would like to go. So easiest day to turn around from your folly is today. There's no excuse. Which path are you on today, church? So in other words, what are you going to choose to decide to follow? The way of the Lord or yourself today, even after the service today, as you think about it, as you talk to your friends, as you talk to your classmates, as you talk to your parents, as you talk to with your co-workers, which way are you choosing? Is it all about you, your realization, your fulfillment, or is it about of the Lord? Because it will only take you one step further. You know who knows this reality? Internet. Have you realized that? If you Google search food, all of a all the advertisements you see following day is all about the food. This algorithm the internet puts together it always takes one step further. Whatever you desire, it wants more of you. Like this, if you choose the Lord today, He will reward you with greater wisdom each day. But if you choose folly, it promises life, but in the end, it will only lead you to death. Now. Having said all that, what's the result? I would love to say this Proverbs, we've been talking about this wisdom, ending in glorious happiness, right? This is great. No. Actually, look how verse 18 ends. This entire introductory chapter ends in quite a sobering note. What's the result of all this? But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. If you continue to walk in the path of fools, just indulging in your self-fulfillment, self-realization about you and you only, only thing that remains is death. It's the counterfeit of it. It's not the truth. He promised life to give you what you want, but only leaves you dead. The commentator, Derek Kidner, says this looks like, this is what it says. This verse 18, position allows the chapter and the section of the book, to end in a shattering climax. Its content corrects the impression that men are saved or lost merely through an isolated, impulsive decision. The choice is seen ripening into character and so into destiny. What he's saying is one choice at a time. One decision you make at a time lead you, ripes you to a certain person that you become, and certain person that you become leads to destiny. Which way of the Lord of yourself, your folly, life or death, which path will you choose? One compromise we think, no big deal. That's okay, but before you know it, you're gonna make another compromise, another compromise. Before you know it, you are attending, fully enjoying yourself. With the banquet that Lady Folly has put together the way of death. The choice is yours." Perhaps some of you know the name Alex Honnold. He is probably the most well-known name in a world of rock climbing. Uh, He made national news in 2017, I believe, when he became the first person ever to free solo Yosemite El Capitan. A free solo is a term that refers for a rock climber who climbs the mountain without any safety equipment. You climb the 3,000 feet at El Capitan, Yosemite, without any safety rope. In other words, one step you take, you fall, descend, and die. <laughs> Back in the 2017, 18, just a few years ago, his documentary came out, How He Conquered El Capitan, which is virtually 90 degree, 80, 90 degree hill, 3,000 feet all the way up. And he goes up without rope. None of us in this room, even with complete rope, will not be able to climb that. Each choice, and the documentary was fascinating because Alex Honnold lived, he says in the documentary clearly, I live for performance, excellence, I want to achieve, I want to conquer. His girlfriend, why do you do that, Alex? Let's live for happiness and fulfillment. It's like competing meaning of life are presented in the documentary. And those rock climbers who are life solos die young. Even monkeys fall from the tree. One step wrong, you die and descend. Yet, as you think about that, how you climb this rock climbing, this is what Alex Hanel says in the movie. I think that the free soloing mentality is pretty close to warrior culture, where you give it something 100% because your life depends on it. Because one step wrong you can potentially fall and die when we live our lives because sometimes when we make each decision we're like i have one compromise it's no big deal who cares i'll be okay but one compromise at a time can potentially lead you to complete death if you really think that one compromise can lead you to free fall and die i don't think you have very casual relationship with the sins today I mean, as I was watching this documentary of him climbing this climb, my hands and my feet were sweaty because I was so nervous. He can die once. Is it crazy? I'll never do that. But as I was thinking about it, if only I have that kind of sobering attitude with a way of folly and self-fulfillment, I think I'll abandon my casual relationship with my sin. I said, one compromise, no big deal. I can turn around, no big deal. But do you realize that this one distance at a time can potentially lead you to death you may be wondering by now Jin. you've shown me the importance of choosing wisdom not the folly and even how to discern the difference between my own self-fulfillment desire the highest point of city of the foliage calling versus true way of the lord But then how in the world am I going to be able to make the decision to follow the Lord? How in the world am I supposed to turn around from this way of folly to the way of wisdom? How in the world am I content and satisfied with the banquet that the Lady Wisdom, what God has prepared for us today? Listen to what Solomon says in verse 10 and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. Really understanding and embracing this fear of the Lord. Solomon goes back to the very foundational concept he laid out in chapter 1 from the get-go. Fear of the Lord is beginning. But this is not, fear of the Lord is not just, okay, I'll, I'm afraid of the Lord, I'm done. No, no, no. Fear of the Lord is daily knowing believing and experiencing god's presence every moment to submission to his will only the fools think that there is such thing as private and public life wise know all your private life is in connection of public life god is present with you 24 7. perhaps we we took communion together just minutes ago some of you couldn't really participate in the feast the banquet that our God has put together today, because you really haven't considered Jesus as the foundation and ultimate meaning of your life. Maybe you're pursuing meaning of life in something completely else. You haven't fully grasped that Jesus is the meaning of your life. Or perhaps some of you couldn't really partake in that because even though you have chosen to follow the Lord today, you see your casual relationship with the sin all the time. You're really not experiencing him. You're only saturated in sin without genuine repentance that caused you to turn to the way of the Lord. Or perhaps some of you partook in the table with us today, the feast that God has put together for us today. And you confess often, yet you have this wrecked conscience within you still today. Because even though you're dining in the banquet that God has put together, you are constantly entertained to dine with the lady folly, Wait, dine with your foolishness, selfish ambition, and dreams. And you say, I, that's me often, church. I say, God, I love you. I want to follow you. I want to stay in the course that you have called me to walk. But I just can't seem to be able to do it. I love you. I do. I really do, God. I know that you are the meaning of my life, but there's disconnect between my head and heart. And there are times there's a short circuit between my heart and my hands. Even though my deepest commitment is to follow the Lord, somehow I just want the self-fulfillment. I want to dine with the folly, not pursuing the way of wisdom. I want it, but I see myself constantly turning back. I just can't seem to turn around. I'm constantly choosing to indulge in my sin. What is it for you, whether it be the lure of power Lore of sex, lore of despair, lore of anger and temper. You constantly seem to want to shake it off desperately, but you constantly find yourself wanting, desiring, fleshly desire to walk in the path of the wisdom. How can you shake that off? How do you make the life altering decision to follow the way of the Lord? Shelton, can I show you, tell you really bad news and a good news? I'll tell you bad news first. I can only show you, reveal it to this diagnostic tool about how you can assess yourself, but I cannot change your heart. Only God can do that. I have nothing to show you in one sense. But may I also tell you the really, really, really good news? If you are looking for a changed heart, you're at the right place today. You're at the right place to encounter and to worship our risen Savior today. Do you realize that as much as sometimes you feel like you're alive you feel like you're free soloing god i'm just climbing this mountain that you have called to walk without any rope but do you realize that our god has hold over you with this invisible rope when you feel like you're just free falling descending to dead if you have trusted if you have proper fear of the lord submitted your life to the will of god he will grab hold of you you will never free fall he grabs hold of you and would you be mesmerized by how much he has loved you to make the reality possible. Just a week and a half ago, I don't know whether any of you swimmers are out here, but a week and a half ago was the World Swimming Championship in Budapest. Uh, this is where the best swimmers in the world gather together once a year to compete. Um, uh, one of the competitions was a synchronized swimming, and U.S. varsity team, the Olympian, Uh, This lady named Anita Alvarez, after she finished such great, I didn't get to watch it, but she did, I heard, apparently really good synchronized swimming. But as everyone claps all of a sudden, she faints and drowns to the bottom of the ocean. Everyone's like, whoa. And if you know anything about synchronized, it's very deep because you have to do a lot of act. Lifeguard doesn't know what to do. Guess who jumps in? Her coach jumps in right down to the water and grabs her out of the water, and she's fine. Coach is fine, they come alive fine. And at the end, after her coach rescues her swimmer, coach interviews her like, why did you jump in? And says, a lifeguard didn't know what to do. They didn't do anything, so I had to jump in to rescue her. Well, if you're a lifeguard, I feel a little sympathetic. One time I saw a meme that says, the most useless job in the world, lifeguard, at Olympic swimming competition. It's obvious. You don't think of an Olympic swimmer there. Who drowned? They are swimming far better than you can. But these lifeguards don't know that this synchronized swimmer, Anita Alvarez, has a history of fainting. She fainted also at US Olympic trial that her coach had to go down and rescue. And as I was watching that, this was a life moment of life and death. After all the great glory at the best stage of the world, the glory, she's descending down. And I realized, Chelton, her coach knew her, and she was willing, and she had the power to save her. And she jumped down deep down the ocean to bring her out from the deep to life. Isn't it good to be known by someone who is able to save you, Chilton? Jesus Christ jumped down the deep down in the ocean to save you when you're just drowning in your sin and temptation. When you feel like, God, I cannot save myself. He jumped down. He has known you. He jumped in the pool right there to rescue you. The world considered that as foolishness, foolishness of the cross. But to us, it is the very power of God and the wisdom of God. He jumped down the ocean. But what Christ says is different than what this coach has done. In the end, both come alive. But when Christ jumps down to the deep water, only one can come alive, either us or Christ, if God saves himself, then we all descend down in deep water and we die. But Christ chose to drown himself in the sea of sins so that you and I can come alive fine. Chilton, it's good to be known by one who's willing and who's able and who loved you enough to save you when you're drowning in your sin. In the end, how do you make the life-altering decision to follow the Lord? Today is the day of choice. Make up your mind. At the same time, you can't. Yes, you have chosen to follow the Lord, but sin and temptation will always lure you back. How do you come back to the Lord then? Sit at the foot of the cross every moment of your time. When you are prone to be tempted away to your self-fulfillment and self-realization, that it all becomes about your power, your pleasure, your prestige. You want that so bad. Remember the one who drowned in the sea of the sin for you, who came down, jumped down at the sea of the ocean. World said, that was stupid, Jesus. Why did you do that? World considered that as foolishness. But to us, that is the very wisdom that you and I need today. That is the very wisdom, very power that saved you. So to the degree that you sit at the foot of the cross, to the degree that you mesmerize yourself, meditate upon the sacrificial love of Christ who went down the deep to save you, you will be compelled to live for the Lord, not out of just guilt conscious, not just out of legalism and moralism, but out of sheer awe and gratitude for what God has done. So where are you, church, today? If the heaviness of your sin has not hit you, oh, I pray the weight of the sin will hit you so much harder than right now. You haven't even realized the depth of your sin. The remorse will grab hold of you so hard, I pray, that you can only experience the grace of God that much more. That is so much greater than the heaviness of your sin. If you realize the, he- the depth of your sin, can I pray? That you rest yourself at the foot of the cross. Jesus covered every ounce of your sin. Every time you tempt you to just indulge yourself, come back to the Lord, because He has paid every single ounce. He has dried up the pool to rescue you, and He condescended Himself to death so that you and I can live. Do you want to be wise today, Shelton? Let's put ourselves in the living hope of our Jesus Christ he is the wisdom that you and i today will you choose to follow him let's pray together oh god and savior sometimes it's so hard oh god both options seems to be so attractive initially what is of me and what is of you Yet, know, oh Lord, if I confess honestly, sometimes many things I claim that is of you, in the end, it's about me, my name, my reputation. And, oh, God, I know life is in you, but why do I always want to indulge in myself, thinking my name is great? God, if there's any sin that grabs hold over our congregants, who are gathered, they're all friends gathered here, I pray that you not only reveal that, but they have plunged their sin into the funnel of grace. And see, Jesus Christ who condescended himself to the ram of the dead so that we can come alive fine. So, God, Jesus, we say you are our ultimate wisdom. You are the hope that we are searching for today. If there is any folly in us, cause us to abandon and follow you today. And as we follow you, O Lord, help us to choose you tomorrow. Help us to choose you the day after as well. Because without you, we will drown in the sea of our sin, in the sea of our own follies. Oh God, rescue us, save us. We live, abide in the glorious living hope in Jesus Christ alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.